Greetings and welcome to Polson Foursquare Church. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins and I'm happy that you've joined us today. This year of 2023, our focus is Together on Mission. In our teaching throughout this year, we will talk much about how we are all called to be a missional church and a missional people. Colossians 4, 2 through 6 are our theme verses that speak about being a people of prayer and of preparedness and how we are to go out and be witnesses to those around us in our everyday life. So today as we study God's word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and pray that you'll be blessed by our podcast teachings and that you'll be edified and enriched in God's word. Thank you and may God bless you all. The third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell people that he has been raised from the dead. This, is the last, this last deception will be worse than the first. And so take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and Mary went to look at the tomb, and there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he lay. And so then the uh, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples, Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, tell my brothers, go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And while the women were on their way, some guards went to the city to re report it to the chief priests everything that had happened. And when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole them away while they were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, he will we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Lord God, we thank you that as we read this story, we are not only just reminded of the, this story, but God, we celebrate today the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Even with when Satan has, even from this very day, devised a plan, a, a lie, Lord, we declare your truth that you have indeed risen from the dead. And God, we just celebrate that today, and we will proclaim it and declare it forever and ever who you are, our risen Savior. Amen. Amen. Now on the third day, uh, Jesus did rise from the dead. He did. And there were some that uh, were deathly afraid. Obviously the Jews were deathly afraid of the disciples going and saying that he would raise from the dead. They were deathly afraid of Jesus. 
So they actually devised this plan. They went to Pilate and asked him to seal this tomb because the deceiver, or calling Jesus the deceiver, and we know who the deceiver truly is, is Satan himself. Satan absolutely did not want this to happen. He wanted Jesus to stay dead, of course. So the deceiver, the true one, was trying to deceive and seal this tomb, but death was defeated. Death was defeated that day. Um, they gave the, the order, Pilate gave the order to secure the tomb. They sealed it. They did everything humanly possible that they could to keep that stone in place. But that day, an earthquake happened, right? We just read that. It's interesting that when Jesus died, an earthquake happened. You know, that very moment he died, an earthquake happened. And what happened in that moment? The, the, the curtain was torn in two, signifying that the Holy of Holies could now be accessible to those like us who believe. Not only is the Holy of Holies uh, located in a temple, but we have then become, as believers, the temple of the Holy Spirit. His holiness, his presence resides within us. Then now I have made a way, now that earthquake happened, that um, the blood was shed, he became our atonement, therefore we have access now to the Father. And the day he rose from the dead, another earthquake happened, and the tomb, it says it rolled away, but in other uh, places it said it was actually thrown. It was actually the angel threw the stone, which was impossible. I mean, it took a lot for that stone to be, to be moved. And Jesus walked out of that tomb. And so, you know, we think about what were they afraid of? You know, Satan always tries to work in fear. If you've ever noticed that, he always uses fear uh, in our lives and in, in this world. Um, but thank God he has not ever given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. We can know that he has victory over death and over fear, over any lie that Satan has tried even from this very day, that he is, we have victory over that. You know, when I, I fear things, when I worry about things, I have to remind myself, God, you conquered death, you conquered fear, you conquered these things, and so in Jesus' name, I won't be overcome by these things. And that's a promise to us. We have to remember that, God, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I have to remember that. Uh, and so the, the women came to the tomb that day. Um, and, you know, they came and they took their spices. They were going to anoint the body because it was so quickly after his death, they had to put him into the tomb. And it was a borrowed tomb. It was, the tomb uh, was a rich man's tomb, but uh, thank God he was only there for a few days, right? But they weren't able to prepare his body for, uh, and so they came that morning to do that. It's interesting that the, you know, that the women came, but the disciples still stayed in hiding. You know, the men were still in hiding, and they, they actually came, because actually they took a risk by going to the tomb that day, because the soldiers were still there, and they could have been punished for doing such a thing. But they came, they wanted to do this, and they were hoping that they would be able to be allowed to anoint his body. Um, but when they arrived at the tomb... The angel was sitting there, it said. And uh, he said, who are you looking for? He is not here. He has risen from the dead. 
Uh, angel dressed in white was there. Do not be afraid. Again, do not be afraid. Jesus is risen. You're looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. And he said, come and see the place where he was, where he lay. Why the angel? Why the angel? Why, why did that need to happen? Uh, maybe they needed that uh, miraculous, because I think because of that deception, because of the, the lie. Uh, the angel appeared to say that he is not here. Um, if you've gone to your friend's tomb and found it empty, what would you assume? Someone stole the body, right? And that's the lie that the, uh, the Jewish leaders or the Pharisees used. Uh, he has risen from the dead, and your first thought would be that the body would be stolen. John's account in chapter 20 of this story is posted at, he's posted at the tomb to make sure the disciples knew what happened. Go and tell them. This isn't grave robbing, this is a resurrection, but rather Jesus robbed the grave. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't grave robbing, but Jesus robbed the grave. And so the women hurried back to tell the men who were hiding. And it's interesting to note in this story about the women going to the tomb, not only uh, when the disciples were in hiding, um, but it says the women in, uh, comforted themselves you know, and more than the cur- with the courage of the men that they had because they were still uh, bound in fear. They were still in hiding because, you know, if they found out who they were, and now we know that all the disciples ran away that very night, that Good Friday day, they all ran. And Peter, it says, denied him three times. And so they were living in this um, despair. <laughs> our, our, our Messiah is dead. Now what do we do? Um, and so the women went there while the men were in hiding. And secondly, all four gospels say that the first person to see Jesus was a woman. Now, this is significant in the Jewish culture because women were not considered reliable witnesses. And so uh, it's sorry, that's, that's because they were not, uh, educated. Women were not allowed to be educated in those days. So they were not considered reliable witnesses and their testimony was never even allowed in a courtroom. Um, so if you were making this story up, who would have you believed first? Who would you have you believed first? A man. But every gospel has Jesus appearing to a woman first. Why? Why did God do this? Did God have a purpose in this? I think so. Absolutely, I think so. Could it be that God was opening the door for women to be respected? Yes. Absolutely, I believe. I certainly think that. So that God wanted women to be heard. And this was, a, this was an open door. Open door for men and for women. But Mark chapter 16 is actually when Jesus uh, finally did uh, appear before the disciples. You know, And it says in John that... Uh, Doubting Thomas. Thomas was going to, he was doubting it until he saw for with his own eyes and touched his hands and touched his feet. And Jesus did appear to him. But it says in Mark that it says he actually rebuked his disciples. He lovingly rebuked them. But he said, for your unbelief and for not believing the women. That was was uh, an open door. God was saying, that I want you to hear the women from now on. I want you to hear them. And Matthew tells us that the women hurried back to where the men were hiding, 
And the men, uh, women told them that Jesus was alive, and they did not believe them. Some of them actually ran to the tomb. John and Peter, they ran to the tomb uh, with only the grave clothes lying there. But even the empty grave and the angelic announcement was not enough to convince the disciples that he was risen. And the testimony of the women that had seen wasn't enough. And John wrote that he saw it and believed, but it still wasn't enough for the other disciples to believe. Uh, they wouldn't believe until they saw him themselves. Luke also records the story of Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus. I love that story. And the two, two uh, disciples that were talking with him along the way. And, uh, and he, he almost played dumb. He played dumb in this uh, Luke chapter 24 where he's just like, tell me what, what did happen. And they're going, you don't know what happened? How do you not know the events of what happened here in Jerusalem? And uh, so he began to tell them the stories along that road. And uh, they still didn't know who he was because he had a new glorified body. Jesus had the first glorified body. That when he, they didn't recognize him in just his physical state. In his, he was actually risen physically, not spiritually. <laughs> because, you know, there's some even to this day that believe Jesus was not physically risen from the dead. He was physically risen from the dead. And so, but he had a new body. And yet he still, even in his glorified body, has kept the piercing marks and the scars. Isn't that interesting? How he's kept that as a permanent reminder of what he did on the cross for us. But he, they did not recognize him until he invi they invited him in and then he broke bread. And whatever he said, when he broke that bread, it says their eyes were open. They, oh, they recognized who he was and then he disappeared. <laughs> Later they gathered together with the other disciples and Jesus all of a sudden appeared. And, uh, and what do you think Jesus said to them? What do you think he said to them in that moment? Of course, when he appeared, he said, Shalom, peace be with you. And most of our Bibles will say greetings. And it's a translation from the common Greek word for greeting, comparable to the saying, uh, how are you? Hi, how are you? Uh, good to see you. But Jesus met them and he said, this, uh, this seems a bit understated. Uh, they seemed to, um, they'd just seen Jesus from the dead for the first time. And that would have been shocking. That would have been, ah, wow. Uh, what an amazing thing for Jesus to um, say, hello, shalom, how are you? Greetings. I think we all would have been a little bit shocked in that moment. Um, and what happened? And that happened. That's that that very night, that Sunday night. John and Luke tells us that evening the disciples were together behind these locked doors, and and then they feared their lives, and they were in hiding. And suddenly Jesus appeared right there, and the doctor, the doors were still locked, and and he suddenly appeared, and they were nervous and they were afraid, but he said, "Peace, it's me, it's me. I, I'm." I came back, and, and it does say in, in Mark that he actually uh, did lovingly rebuke them, but it's still the same. Yes, you did not believe the women when I told them to go tell you. And so this was the first of many appearances, and it says over 40 days, 
Jesus appeared to multiple people and multiple times and places individually and as groups as large as 500, it says, at one time before his ascension into heaven. And he also gave them the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And these signs will accompany you who believe. And he actually commissioned his disciples. And I believe that commissioning was not just for the 12 or the, uh, the 11 at that moment, but it was, uh, it was for all of us, the commission of God to go into all the world and do signs and wonders in his name. And he said to wait for the day of Pentecost, wait for that day when the, I will send the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you your helper, your comforter, the Holy Spirit to you to empower you to be witnesses. And so uh, Jesus also singles out Peter and he mentions Peter by name and pays Peter a special uh, individual visit. And in John chapter 21, Jesus tracked down Peter um, where Jesus had been denied three times by Peter. Why did he single out Peter in, this, in that very moment? And I can often think about that myself. I, you know, personalizing that myself. That, you know, God calls us each by name. He calls us each. He reaches out to each one of us. But Peter, in this situation where he had indeed denied him, and he said he wouldn't do that. He said he would die for Jesus, but he actually got fearful for his life. And he denied him. Because all the disciples actually abandoned him when he was arrested, Peter uh, lied. He denied him. And after uh, this, it's interesting that Jesus asked him, you know, when he called him ashore, when, when he recognized him on the, on the, the shore, and he called him, and, and uh, Peter was broken. He said, do you love me? He said, yes, I love you, Lord. He said, then feed my sheep. And then he said it again, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. And actually, there's no good word or way to describe when, it, when in English how he was uh, asking Peter this. But the best way we can, uh, we can translate it, it's not just love, but it's more like, yes, I like you, Lord. Yeah, yes, I like you, Lord. And then the last time he asked him, the third time, and he said, Peter, do you love me? And he goes, why do you keep asking me this? Why? Yes, I love you. I love you, Lord. He goes, and I often think that because Peter denied him three times, Jesus asked him three times. Do you just like me or do you truly know me or do you truly love me? That is often how we need to look at this myself. In my own faith, in, in putting my own faith in Jesus, do I just like Jesus? Do I just say, yeah, you're, you're kind of cool. I like who you represent. I like it. you're a good man. You're a good teacher. You're a good prophet. You're a historical figure. But are you truly my Lord? Are you truly my Savior? No, I don't know about that. And I think Jesus would say to us, is he just... Someone you like, or is he really someone you love, that you have grown to love, or you have accepted his love? Because we can't love until we first must receive his love. It's not something we are forced to do, but it's rather I have received God's love. And I could tell you stories about my own life of growing up in a religious house, 
growing up as a Christian and since I was a, a little kid. But at some point, I had to put my own faith in Jesus. I had to make that own decision for Jesus where I said, yes, I received this. I don't like Jesus. I love Jesus. This is real. This isn't just a story. This is real. And I believe this to be God's word. I believe this to be true. This isn't a fairy tale. I believe this. And since that day, I can say, yes, I am firm in my faith and nothing will move me from that. You know, I will go to my grave believing that. I think that's what Jesus calls upon us. Do you like Jesus or do you love him? So Sunday starts with the disciples being sad, confused, hopeless, and Jesus is dead. And Sunday ends with the disciples shocked and overjoyed. Jesus is alive. And they have seen him. Now they have touched him. Now they have talked with him. And they were forever changed. And my first point in this Sunday morning, this Easter Sunday morning, is that Jesus' resurrection changed everything. It did. It absolutely changed everything. His death was absolutely essential. As that blood sacrifice for our sin, without the resurrection of Jesus, there would be no Christian faith. There would be nothing. It would be useless. Without the resurrection, Jesus would just be a footnote in history and forgotten altogether. But during Jesus' life here, uh, there were mentions of other so-called messiahs, people that hoped would overcome and overthrow the Roman government. There's still people today that claim to be Messiah. Uh, he said, many will come in my name and proclaim I am the one, even to this day. But as in a speech in, in Acts chapter 5, uh, the Ru Jewish rabbi named Gamaliel, that's actually the one that uh, taught Paul or Saul at the time. And he mentions two, two of them, Thudius and Judas, and in Acts chapter 5, some time ago, it says, Thudius appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him, and he was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. According to the first century Jewish historian Josephus, uh, Thudius was also called this Messiah, or Thudius Christ. So they actually called this, this uh, guy Thudius as Christ, and he claimed he would... Uh, he could part the Jordan River and make the walls of Jerusalem fall down. And the Romans eventually captured him and he was actually beheaded um, in front of the crowds of people. The second was this Judas, uh, the Galilean in Acts chapter 5 says, After him, Judas, the Galilean, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in a revolt. He too was killed and all of his followers were eventually scattered uh, and Josephus, you, how many of you have ever read Josephus? Anyone has looked at his book? You can actually find that. But this historical figure, he tells us, and it's interesting because um, though his writings are not scriptural, they're very historical, and you can actually look at that if you're, you're interested in that type of stuff. But Josephus tells us that Judas founded the Zealots, and he and 2,000 of his followers were captured and then they were all crucified. And these crosses were left standing in the Galilean countryside. And the, the Romans were trying to send this message to them. So Gamaliel's point in all of this was that there would be these so-called messiahs that were killed. And at the end of this revolution or this movement, it came to nothing. 
and they were all soon forgotten. And Gamaliel insisted that the same thing would happen with this Jesus movement, right? With this Jesus revolution. Uh, but guess what? There's still a Jesus revolution going on. It didn't just happen in the 70s, but it's happening right now, and it still continues to this day. Gamaliel told him, he said, leave it alone. If it's not from God, it will die. But he also didn't realize that he prophesied. He prophesied, and he said, if it is from God, nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Isn't that interesting? Nothing can stop it, and it still cannot be stopped. You know, even in our day, and I, I remember Easter three years ago. That was a very sad Easter for me. I was up here filming on a camera while all these seats were pretty much empty. And I'm like, this is not, this is not Easter. But I was filming to a camera and hoping that people were tuning me in on whatever screen they were watching. But it was just like, this is sad. This is sad. You know what? There were some places that were actually saying, we will not let you sing. We will not let you gather. We will not let you meet, right? A lot of that because of the COVID uh, pandemic. But guess what? We can never stop, never stop proclaiming that Jesus is alive. And there is a movement to stop it. But it, it says nothing, nothing humanly, Gamaliel prophesied it long ago, nothing can stop it. And it still cannot be stopped. Satan has always tried to stop the resurrection, but it, the resurrection changed everything. And so and these disciples, they were eyewitnesses of a risen Savior, and God raised, was raised from the dead. They saw him. And without the resurrection, there is no Christian faith, uh, period, nothing. It ends with dead, Jesus dead. Um, and the Pharisees wanted you know, to be able to go to the tomb and say, this, was, this is Jesus' tomb. See, he's still in there. He's not going to come out. But that's not what happened. Secondly, Jesus' resurrection is a necessity or necessary for my faith. Just as I said, without the resurrection, then, then our faith is useless. And Paul preached about that in his letter to the First Corinthians in chapter 15. Very important scripture here. Verses uh, Three through eight, I'll read. It says, For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, even though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. So here's Paul's summary of the gospel. Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, and that he appeared to many. And then he later appeared to me in that uh, appearance on the road to Damascus. Jesus appeared to him at that time also. So he said, this is what we preach. This is the gospel message. The resurrection message that Jesus was crucified, that he was raised from the dead. And that must be told. That must be remembered. That isn't just a fairy tale again. This is real. This is what we believe really did happen. And this is the gospel. Notice it isn't a theology. It's not a philosophical system. 
uh, that compelled them. This is the good news, that Jesus was crucified, he, was, he died, he was buried, and that he is alive today. This is what happened, and we saw it. And not only I saw it, but actually many other people saw that. So Paul responded clearly, and again in 1 Corinthians 15, he said in verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified that God, that he raised from Christ from the dead, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and so you are still in your sins. So this is very crucial scripture in, in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If anyone argues this point, you can always take them to this one and just say, this is what Paul wrote, and this, is, this isn't just what Paul wrote, but this is what I believe. For Paul, the resurrection of Jesus is absolutely essential for us, and, and if we call ourselves Christian, it is absolutely essential uh, that he actually had a physical resurrection from the dead. Paul clearly believed that Jesus' death and resurrection is the core of the gospel. This is the Super Bowl, or this is Independence Day, as mentioned earlier. Without it, there is no faith that we have. It's useless. And when we die, we're just dead. We cease to exist. But how many of you believe? I believe that I will uh, go be with Jesus when I die. I believe that. There are many that have gone before me. And I'm looking for that reunion one day with him. This Jesus is Jesus, you know, he said even then James, he appeared to James. Who is, who is James? Anyone know who James was that actually wrote the, the book of James? Yeah, Jesus' brother, his own brother, flesh and blood. So James was, uh, had stubbornly refused to believe that his own brother had been risen from the dead. And so... Jesus appeared to his brother as well. James had become a believer, and in fact, he eventually became the leader of the Jerusalem church. And uh, it says that he was actually executed, martyred for his faith as well. Did you ever have a brother that thought he was hot stuff? You know, thought he was <laughs> just like, he, he's God's gift to green earth, you know? Uh, uh, what would your brother have to do to convince he is the son of God, the Messiah? Yeah, whatever, shut up. <laughs> you're not the Messiah. Oh, give me a break. Come on, I know you think you're something, but you're just my brother. I'm guessing uh, nothing less than the resurrection would have to convince him, right? You know, I think one of the best evidences for the resurrection was probably Jesus' brother James. He goes... Yes, I can assure you, this is my, still my brother, but he is real. I promise you, he is real. Uh, James, who came to faith, not only does, when, he say, when he saw his brother alive, but he, it changed James's life. You know, uh, I just think that's kind of funny. About uh, I, I was raised with three other brothers. So... Jesus rose from the dead, and it is necessary for my faith. Thirdly is that Jesus' resurrection ignited an unstoppable fire. It absolutely did. From that day, it actually changed everything, and it started a fire. 
After the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples came out of hiding and then began to boldly and fearlessly tell the story of Jesus pretty much right after Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. But wait for that because you guys might be good, but you're not that good. (laughs) Wait for the Messiah. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you because you need a lot of help, and so do we, right? Um, They no longer had to be afraid, but actually it started a fire, and they needed not only the fire of their own tenacity and zealousness and, and excitement, because our own excitement wears off, doesn't it? We get burnt out. I've seen too many ministers that, you know, people that have served in the church over the years that just get burnt out. You know, the littlest thing, you know, people take them off, and maybe I took them off. <laughs> but at the same time, it's just like people get burnt out and just say, I don't know if I, I want to do this anymore. What's the use? What's the reason? And I'm like, because if we're doing it in our own power, it is a fire that can easily be snuffed out. But if it's in the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to be reminded, I need his power of the Holy Spirit every day. Because if I do it in my own strength, it's weak, it's feeble at, at best. And I will burn out. But for, for Christians, we need the power of the Holy Spirit for this unstoppable fire. Jesus' resurrection inspired his followers then to take risks. Jesus told them, you would all, and he said, um, even as his disciples said, we will follow you to the death. And he goes, okay, are you really willing to do that to the death? And they said, yes, yes. He goes, yes, you will. And all except for John of his disciples did um, experience uh, the cruelty of martyrdom. We don't know. We, we sometimes take advantage of our own faith that, uh, you know, we don't take any risks for Jesus. But there are people that do literally every day around this world take their, uh, this is a risk to come together such as we have. And that we never want to take these moments for granted, ever, ever for granted that we have the freedom to meet in these places like we do. But there may day, be a day that would come that we have to meet underground that we have to meet in places, or that our paper Bibles or our Bibles are taken away. And all the more to not only read the Bible, but to have the word planted in you. That can never be taken from you. But stirring that fire that, you know what, even if it means to the, to the death, I will never deny my faith in Jesus, ever. It says, in, uh, as Paul wrote this, in Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? There's more to eternity than there is to this life, the short life that we have here on earth. And Paul, was, uh, Paul wrote that while he was in jail. He was unsure of his outcome. He wrote that when he was in prison. And um, would he be released or would he be executed? He didn't know quite for sure, but, but he did have an answer for both. Uh, to release me is to live for Christ, but to die is even better to, for gain. Uh, so he was fearless in that. He was willing to die for his faith. And I, I hope that we all can say that, that I'm willing to lay down my life for Christ no matter what, that that fire will never be 
put out in my life, that I will live as a witness and a light for Jesus as long as I can live. Um, and it says also back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul also wrote this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and let nothing move you. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. God sees everything that you do. He sees that and he'll reward you for that. God sees that. And lastly, Jesus' resurrection's power lives within us. Do you realize that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you? And Paul wrote that also in Romans 8. Romans 8, 11 and 12, it says, And the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Wow. How did he get in you? Acts 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of his Holy Spirit. It takes something of us. It requires something of us. Even though it was paid for, it was all done, it's not just by osmosis that it just happens in you. I have to have a part in that. I have to, I often say, you know, sometimes people, we, we put Bibles under our pillows at night to hopefully it just kind of absorbs into our, our brain or something like that. It might. <laughs> you know, some people actually will play scripture, and I think that's even better, playing scripture as your re or, or worship music at night if you like that type of stuff. But that, so it's actually you're receiving that as you're sleeping, and that's great. I heard people that like to do that. But I was also raised, and I don't know if my dad or my family's watching this morning, but I was raised, and my mother was just a... Uh, this is how maybe she was raised, that if you, ever, if you ever accidentally dropped your Bible on the, on the floor, you better say three Hail Marys, or you better repent of actually uh, f dropping the Bible on the ground. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, please, I don't, I don't ever want to disrespect this Bible. And I've always kept a, a holy respect for the Bible, but you know what? Uh, I heard a preacher one time tell, say this, that, you know what, this is only black or red ink on paper. There's no necessary power in black ink and paper or red ink <laughs> until it gets in you. And I'm like, so if I drop the Bible, I don't need to... I don't know. <laughs> At the same time, I have a respect for the Bible, of course. I don't ever want to drop it or misuse it. Um, and maybe that was ground into me for those years of my childhood. But at the same time, I'm like, you're right. It is the power of God when I receive it, when I believe it, when I live for it, when it's in me. It can never be taken from me. This is God's word. This is true. This is absolute truth. And I believe that this is wholeheartedly not just my religion. This is Jesus, his word, that he is the Logos. And I receive it. 
as the gift that he's given to me, the word of God, the words of life that saves us. Ephesians 1.18, it says, and Paul writes this as well, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened to, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Paul wrote, I pray that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe, and that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that has been given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. In other words, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within us to give us his power in our lives, to live out our life for Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in him will never die, and he will bring us new life from the dead, and that's what we celebrate today. That is a great celebration. He has risen, and he is still raising the dead today. He's raising you out of your deadness, some of our unbelief. I believe he wants to have us put our faith in him. His resurrection power is evidenced here today in each one of our lives and my life, that he saves, he heals, and he restores, and he gives life from the dead, and his power is here today, that he may save us. I just want to close in prayer and invite up the worship team, that this is a great celebration, this is a day that I can celebrate what you've done for me. I no longer have to live in fear and doubt and unbelief, but God, I put my faith in you, Jesus. I believe what you did on the cross was enough for me. You took my sin upon you. It says that you became sin. Thank you for taking the punishment that I deserve so that I may have new life. I put my faith in you, Jesus. If there's anyone here today that is uncertain of where they stand with God God right now, that you can do this and be assured says, when anyone puts their faith in Jesus, when anyone turns in repentance, it says there's rejoicing in heaven. Angels rejoice when one more life is saved. And God, we, we ask that even this day, this Resurrection Sunday, may be that day for anyone here today. That maybe it's their first time or maybe it's another time to say, I need to get right with God. I've walked away from God. And I want to recommit my life to follow you. I can't think of any better day than to celebrate on this day, April 9th, 2023. I can can remember this day forever that I made this confession of my faith. I, I want you, Jesus, as my Savior and my Lord. If there's anyone here today that's doing that, just simply, it's that. I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. I turned from my sin and I don't want to live in that anymore. I want to walk in new life and freedom that you offer to me. And I thank you for your resurrection power that would raise me from dead, the dead, and give me new life and healing in my body, in my soul, and my spirit. I receive that gift today. In Jesus' name, amen. And if that's you today, Hey guys, Billy here. 
I'm the media director here at Pulse and Foursquare, and I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. If you guys are looking for more information, you guys can go to pulseandfoursquare.org. And if you guys enjoyed the sermon, consider subscribing or sharing it with a friend. Thanks for joining us this morning, and we hope that you have a blessed week.